0: We can benefit from an occasional reminder of just how special we are. And there's such a reminder tied to this week's Torah portion. This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. Hope everyone had a great Pesach, wonderful Passover. We are now up to the Torah portion of, well, not so simple. For the many Tachlis Talks listeners in places outside the land of Israel, this coming, coming Shabbat, Shabbos will be the Parsha of Achremos or Achreimot. For our many listeners in Israel, the Achremos was read last week. You're a Parsha ahead of us. But this message, which is linked to one aspect of the Parsha, is ultimately something that is timeless. And whether you are listening now, sometime down the road, I hope you will benefit from this message that gives perspective of just who we are. Before getting to the aspect of the Parsha, we all had a Pesach Seder not too long ago and linked to the idea that we're going to talk about in our Parsha. We had an experience at the beginning of our Passover Seder where we start with a paragraph Halach Ma'anya. Halach Ma'anya, this is the bread of our affliction as we point to or hold the matzah. Well, Halach Ma'anya, certainly not English, but it's also not Hebrew. Lechem would be the Hebrew. Lachma is Aramaic. Lachma Anya, halachma Anya, is a paragraph expressing elements of the matzah and other elements of Pesach in Aramaic. Why are we using Aramaic at the beginning of our Pesach Seder? And there are several answers that are given that are unique to Pesach perhaps, but I want to share an answer which ties to another intro into a very significant spiritual undertaking, where we also use Aramaic, and that is kol nidrei, where we continue on with many words describing aspects of vows and asking God for release from the very potentially detrimental outcome of having in any way done something not in sync with what we had committed to, but The Kol Nidre is also declared in Aramaic. The famed Dubna Magid, Magid of Dubna, about 250 years ago, uh, very famous for the many uh, parables he would give to help give him perspective on life. He is quoted as suggesting that the reason these two introductions, the introduction to our Pesach Seder, or again, toward the very beginning of our Pesach Seder, and the introduction in Yom Kippur, The reason they're articulated in Aramaic relates to the fact that the Talmud tells us that the angels, the Malachim, don't interface with Aramaic. When we pray to God in Hebrew, and according to many, even if we are to pray to God in English, the angels can act as the go-between, the conduit to bring those prayers up. When we shift to Aramaic, we sidestep. The angels, we bypass the same the angels. Now, why would we want to do that? If they are there, they're a tool that is used to help connect us to God. Angels we could describe as sort of the software that God uses to run the world, and there are systems that He uses. So, if they're a conduit for our prayers to be connected with God, why would we not utilize them and shift to Aramaic? So says the Dubna Magid that in certain environments, such as the Pesach Seder and yom kippur we are focused on the fact that we have a connectivity with god a potential for an intimate relationship with god that does not need angelic assistance and as such we're starting the pesach seder committed to following through with what the word seder means order an organized system of taking the steps up the spiritual ladder utilizing the night for greater appreciation of god and all that he provided for us back then and continues to do so Yom Kippur as we're starting Yom Kippur and saying, I'm at this point, pledging 25 hour fast services and dedication and atonement. We can start off that luxury of starting off the Aramaic and saying, we're going to do this on our own within our parsha, There's a lesson that moves us beyond that, beyond the capacity that we occasionally have to say, We can manage on our own. We're very tight with God, intimate, connected in a way that needs no angel. In our Parsha, there's a message that takes it a step further. The beginning of the Parsha deals with a lot of the aspects of the service of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, that most awesome day of the year. Service being done primarily by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, one of the most awesome figures within the Jewish populace. In a certain sense we could say the most spiritual of people within the jewish populace and on this super spiritual day in the super spiritual environment temple in jerusalem but not just the temple and not just the sacred zone of the kodesh but the holiest of zones the kodesh Kodashim, is entering that zone with the very intensely spiritual regiment of the katoras of the incense and this situation of Holy individual, holy location, holy day, holy process. When that is happening, the Torah describes, well, nobody shall be present in the temple while the Kohen Gadol is doing that service, while the high priest is involved in this particular practice. Nobody shall be there. That nobody, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Talmud Yerushalmi, adds and and uses um, you know, certain connectivity through terminology to show why this is the case, that not only can there be no mortal being present there, even the angels of God cannot be present in the temple while the gadol is doing this ritual. I heard a message years, years back. I believe I had heard this from uh, Rabbi, Hopfersh-Liter, Rabbi Hopfersh-Liter, well, one of the great rabbis in Baltimore, that uh, if I understood him correctly, and I'm attributing this, properly, hopefully, is that this is not simply the Kohen Gadol; It's not simply the high priest functioning that has this unique spirituality that pushes aside the angels, but it's the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, representing all of us. What he is doing in that day is not one sole individual out there detached from society, but rather as the representative, the agent of his society. And we, are, in a sense, all being represented there in that moment and is the intimacy of Israel and God that pushes us aside, the angels. We're tight with each other. This is our private time. No bystanders. Sorry, angels. Out of here. So not only are we, in a sense, bypassing the angels and saying we're going to connect with God directly, we are pushing them aside. You have no place when God and Israel are so tightly tied together. This concept of man being able to strive in a sense, having no need for the angel, in a sense being able to bypass very timely messages. We are in the period between Pesach and Shavuos, heading towards the the day where we most celebrate our idea of connectivity with God through Torah study and the very relationship with God, that pact that was defined by the giving of the Torah at Sinai. And the Talmud describes that when Moshe went to Receive the Torah. The angels were, what's up with that? Why is there a human being, a mere mortal? You elude Isha, one born from a physical mother up here getting the Torah. He's going to take the Torah. This will of God in writing this ultimately infinite text. And he's going to bring this down to petty mere human beings. And God has Moshe himself answer the angels. Very much so. Because the Torah is not relegated to the world of the angelic. The mitzvahs of the Torah have us interface with the physical. They have us interface with other people. The the mitzvahs require and are meant to take the physical and elevate it and to take the uh, interpersonal relationships and perfect them. And that's not relevant to you, angels. That is particularly relevant to the human being. God has creates angels but he gives us the capacity to create ourselves we can grow and god designed the torah for us and when we do so we create a relationship that pushes the angels aside these messages of the in using the term kind of delicately to be careful with this but in a certain sense the supremacy of man over the angel the prophet describes that man, relationship with angels, is described as walking among those who are stagnant. That the angels are stagnant. They are what they are. They have no capacity to wake up one day and saying, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to become a greater angel of healing. I'm going to aspire to be a greater angel of X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. It's no different than, again, the software in your in your computer or your phone, uh, none of your apps, your, your ways can't wake up in the morning and say, now I'm going to get it right and not make the following mistake. I, by the way, very recently had Waze direct me to a ferry to get over the water rather than go to another uh, pharmacy that would have been a lot easier to get to and a lot less expensive. And don't worry, I didn't actually take the ferry. But uh, it, it's, it's smart, but it can't itself decide to be smarter. Human beings can assist and create programs that will make that happen. The, your, your, your word processor can't say change. That's it. I've been doing this long enough. I'm going to shift to become a spreadsheet. Midlife crisis, make a a change transformation, or I'm kind of outdated. I'm going to upgrade myself. Again, if it wasn't programmed to do so, it isn't doing so in the same sense, angels are called Omdim. They're called stagnant. They're simply standing. And we are the Mahachim. We are the ones who move. And when we move correctly, we develop a capacity to be elevated in a sense above the angel. And interestingly, by the Pesach Seder, by Yom Kippur, and really when the Koenigodal enters that zone, it's all in anticipation of that movement. It's before we've perfected ourselves, but we're in the process of doing so. We're committed to doing so We are taking those steps to get off the ground in that right direction. And we're saying we are now able to function without the angel and potentially dismiss the angel, potentially display our supremacy over the angel. Worth keeping in mind, though, it requires that last dimension of that commitment. If we are looking towards Yom Kippur as this day of perfection, looking toward a Pesach Seder as what a Seder is meant to be accomplishing, we can make those declarations with that comfort. The Talmud describes a story in which one of the high priests was corrupting the temple practice, corrupting the service. And by the way, unfortunately, in the second temple period, this happened multiple times, but it describes one of the situations where the high priest deviated from the temple practice and he was smitten by an angel. And commentaries grappling with this: how is there an angel present in this zone if in fact when the high priest is doing the service it's off limits even to the angels one approach is that the angel smote him as he was leaving that zone but others suggest you don't need to go that route because as we described the high priest representing all of us that intimacy with god that's a reflection of this incredible devotion towards god display of loyalty towards god Commitment to the proper regiment that God has designed. When one is going in with the intent to corrupt, this was a very purposeful intent on his part to corrupt, he's not going in without that loyalty, he's not adhering to the regiment, then there's no intimacy between us and God, and there's no reason for the angels to be dismissed. We've got to be doing our part. We have to be striving for that excellence to warrant this. And when we do so, hopefully inspired by this message, we should keep in mind Angels don't have the capacity to shoot for the stars, to strive for greatness. They are what they are. That's unique to us, the capacity to aspire towards something greater. Realizing that we have the capacity to strive towards something greater. We are the Mahalachim. We are the movers. We're being reminded by God in these instances and in this Parsha that there are times that we can be so tight with him. It's you and God. And no need for that outside uh, assistance. And it's you and God, and potentially pushing those outsiders away because of that incredible, unique bond between Israel and God. Bearing that in mind, hopefully being inspired and motivated by this, and then aiming for those steps, will be the type of motivation that can help us do what the angels can't do, and strive to achieve Meritocles.